Hello and welcome to this episode of the King's Church podcast. On this episode, we have a very special couple with me, uh, Ken and Louise Snyder. Very warm welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the subject of mission. Hearing uh, some and Ken and Louise's personal stories from over the years and their experiences, uh, which I'm really excited to hear about personally. Um, I feel like I'm good, this is going to be a challenging one for me personally. Uh, so good morning, Ken and Louise. Uh, thank you for coming in. You're welcome. Uh, you know, as his disciples, Jesus is very clear that we're called to take the gospel message, not just to our own town around us, although that is very important. And in Darlington, we want to see the gospel message being taken out. But Jesus laid out a heart and actually a vision that we, we, we're called to take the gospel message and the compassion that comes with it. Uh, it must go beyond our city walls. Jesus talked about the gospel starting in Jerusalem, yes, but being spread in Judea and then into Samaria and the ends of the earth. And I know that Ken and Louise, as a couple, have a heart for that, but not just a heart for it. You've acted that out throughout your lives. And Ken and Louise, thank you for coming in and sharing with us and really to share your heart and what's driven you as a couple to make some of the big decisions in your life that you've made and and how you've come to make those to, to, together. So I want to start by just asking you, how long have you been married as a couple? Well, we've been married uh, this month for 43 years, Mike. 43 years yep. is longer than I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you that. Um, but that's a long time. It's incredible. Uh, but I want to start really just with your personal testimony, testimonies of how you both became so passionate about missionary work. How did that come about? Well, I'll, I'll start, Mike. So um, uh, I, I grew up in a, in a Christian home environment. And uh, I know that uh, at the age of eight, hmm. I said, when I grow up, I want to be a missionary doctor. Hmm. I've no idea where that came from, but apparently that's what I said. Uh, so then if you fast forward a few years... Hmm. Um, when I uh, turned 18 or 19, um, I was able to uh, eventually go to medical school in Liverpool yes. and begin to study medicine. And uh, around the same age, when I was about 19, um, I made a full commitment to give my life to God mm. and to follow his leading. So around that time, I both became a Christian, if you like, and uh, went to medical school. And uh, through medical school, as I was finishing my graduation, mm. um, I decided that I would train for general practice. Um, uh, but then I wanted to go to Nepal to work for about three years mm. and then come back to the UK and work in the UK. Um, so uh, I offered uh, an organization, a Christian mission organization called InterServe mm. uh, to see if they would take me to go and work in Nepal. 
And they said yes, that they would do that. And you were a doctor at this point? And at this point, I was a doctor. And I was actually doing my GP training in Stockton on Tees. Yeah. It's a three-year training program. Mm. And uh, so towards the end of that, I approached InterServe, this mission. And they said, yeah, we'll take you to work in Nepal. And so at the same time, I booked a place on a course in tropical medicine at Liverpool University, hmm. which would be a three-month course at the end of my GP training. Hmm. So um, that was my plan, was to become a GP, do finish GP training, and then go to Nepal with InterServe, and then come back and be a GP in the UK. Hmm. But God had a slightly different plan. Right. <laughs> And is this by any chance where Louise enters the story? It is. Wow. So here's yeah. Louise's story. <laughs> <laughs> well, my initial in, uh, interest in mission started at a very early age because, like Ken, I grew up in a Christian home and environment. And in at home and in church, the importance of foreign mission was always emphasized a lot. So from a very early age, I also told people I wanted to be a missionary nurse when <laughs> I grew up. I think I was maybe four, four years old at the time. And that's how it all began. Hmm. And like Ken then, so did that, I'm guessing that remained with you as you got older into your teens and into school age? Sort of. Yeah. Um, I became a Christian very young. Hmm. And when I grew up, I did indeed become a nurse. Hmm. But although I was still really, I followed God, wanted to do what he wanted with my life, the interest in overseas had receded quite far into the background. Yeah. I wasn't really wanting to do that at all. But all that changed when God prompted me to attend Bible college for a year, which is a very common thing for young people to do in Canada. In North America, yeah, definitely. Yeah, much, much more so than here. At this point, I was a nurse, but I did go to Bible college for a year, not because I wanted to learn about mission, but because I wanted to learn more about why I believed what I did. Hmm. So I'd have more knowledge about the Bible, so I could stand up for what I believed knowledgeably, yeah. and not just do all the right things, but not really know why. Yeah. So that was a significant moment in my life because while at Bible college, I was exposed to many missionaries who came to share about their work and what was going on in the wider world. So this included a missionary from Ethiopia who told us about the devastating famine that was going on there. This was in the 70s. Mm. And he was actually going around Christian colleges, Bible colleges, to gather a team of young people together who would go over and just help wow. in the famine. So I was sufficiently moved by what he said about the situation there that I somehow gathered up enough courage to volunteer for this program wow, and um, become a part of it and go over there and work for about a year. And 
as you can imagine, this changed the direction of my life yeah. forever. I can imagine. And, and at what point then, so there's going to be, at some point in this story, there's going to be a link between the two of you. Well, there is, <clears throat> because as I mentioned earlier, um, I uh, was doing my GP training in Stockton on Tees. That was coming to an end. Hmm. And I had already been accepted by InterSurf to go and work in Nepal. Hmm. And I had secured a place on a diploma course in tropical medicine in Liverpool. Hmm. But at that point, around that time, the GP in Stockton, who was my trainer, uh, said to me, well, I think that before you go to Nepal, uh, you should go to America. But first I was going to uh, the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine for a three-month course. And it was while I was there uh, that I met Louise. Hmm. And when I finished my year or so in Ethiopia, I came to England to meet up with friends I'd met who were from England, um, being from Canada, hmm. if people don't know that. Yeah. And while I was here, I heard about the course in tropical medicine mm. in Liverpool. And I phoned them up and said, I'm interested in this course. And he said, well, there's a waiting list, but seeing as how you're here, you can have a place. Brilliant. So off I went to the School of Tropical Medicine. And at that point, I knew that I would end up working overseas in some capacity, mm. somewhere. Yeah. But I really didn't know how that would pan out in the end, where it would be, exactly what I would do. Hmm. But when I was at the School of Tropical Medicine, I met Ken. Hmm. So I got through the course. I learned a lot. It was very beneficial. I really enjoyed it. But I came out of the course with much more than my certificate hmm. in tropical medicine and community health because God gave me Ken. Yeah and the prospect of marriage. And he already had a commitment to come to Nepal. Wow. And it just seemed like it all dovetailed together. Hmm. It must have been incredible to have met each other, but just to realize how much your hearts aligned, not just in your faith and wanting to follow hmm. Jesus and that call in your life, but actually that mission's heart. That must have been quite a unique moment. Hmm. It's not every day you yeah. go and find somebody who kind of has the same... Mm -hmm. Well, it was very special, Mike, and, and you see what had been happening is up to that point, we each had kind of similar stories mm. and uh, God had been leading us in our interest and mm. wanting to follow his leading. Yeah. And at that point, he brought us together. Yeah. And at that point, even Ken's decision to go to the States for a year mm. was significant mm. because I would then be in Canada. Yes. He would be in the States. Mm. We weren't that far apart, so we could maintain, continue <laughs> the relationship. You, you weren't that far apart, relatively speaking, to North America. Only 600 miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I thought you might say, something like that. But it, yeah. he could have been in Florida and I could have been in Vancouver, which would have been much more difficult. Yes, yeah. 
rather than just 600 miles apart. Right. Yeah, well, that's great. So then, I mean, obviously we know the story here because you've been married for a long time, 43 years uh, this month. Um, and But but that that kind of start to both of your lives and how you've joined up in, in your heart for mission, I guess... What have been some of the most significant moments? Because we've got, we could talk for, I guess, hours and hours here about the many different callings you've had to Nepal and different places. But what have been some of the most significant standout moments over the years for you as a couple? Well, I suppose the, the biggest standout moment was when we together actually made the commitment hmm. uh, to, go, to go and serve. Hmm. Uh, in Nepal and that was a big decision Mm. and it was going to shape a lot of the rest of our lives Mm. really so um, we did make that decision and we went to Nepal and we went for three years initially Mm. and worked in Nepal with uh, that organization InterServe and then we came back uh, to follow plan A and for me to go into general practice. Yeah. But what we hadn't considered was that we actually came back, because of our experience in Nepal, we came back changed. Right. We came back different people than we had been when we went out. Mm. And uh, But we came back, went into general practice, bought a house, yeah. bought a washing machine and a lawnmower, and settled down. But... God had a plan, and uh, after about four years in general practice, we actually heard him calling us back to Nepal. Wow. And uh, we felt very strongly that we should return to Nepal with our little girl, who at that time was how old? Heather was six, and Jenny was just turning four. Right. So a significant moment again was to say, yes, Hmm. we'll leave where we are. Yeah. We'll sell the house, the washing machine, the lawnmower, and we'll return to Nepal. Yeah. And what did your daily life look like at that point? When we talk about doing a mission and going to Nepal, you know, what, what does that actually look like on the ground in terms of being a GP, being a nurse? What does that look like? How does life look different? In Nepal? Mm. Um, well, um, for, for me, um, I started work in a, a mission hospital. So I was taking care of patients in, uh, in the hospital. Mm. Uh, Louise was at home helping to look after Heather at that point. My, my role didn't change that much. I was a mother here and yes. I was a mother there. Yeah. So my main responsibility was still looking after the girls. Being a mum. Yeah. Which became a bit more of a challenge when especially one of them was quite unsettled hmm. and couldn't function apart from being with her mother or right. her father including not going to nursery. So we wow. became constant companions for at least six months. Hmm. So in that sense, yes, daily living <coughs> was more of a challenge as well. There's no modern, no mod cons. Hmm. Everything has to be done from scratch. You need somebody to help in the house. Yeah. So there was, there was a cost to you as a family, not just to you as, as a couple, but there was a cost actually to your children too. 
But yeah, and I, I think that's what made, for me, it made the decision to go back quite difficult hmm. because I knew what it would be like. Yeah. I, I didn't have rose-coloured glasses on at all no. when I thought about going back with the kids. You knew it was going to be hard. So I knew it was going to be hard. So even though I, I felt the same way as Ken did, you know, with really wanting to be there, doing something which we both found fulfilling and important, for me it was difficult to give up my house and my washing machine and my <laughs> lawnmower yeah. and, and go over there. But... I was thinking about this, and a song by Keith Green from way back when really spoke to me at that time, which is, Jesus commands us to go. Mm. <clears throat> and in that song, he says, if Jesus commands us to go, why do we feel so called to stay? Mm. So not everybody has the privilege and the opportunity to work abroad, mm. but we did. Yeah. So if God was calling us to go and take advantage of that opportunity, why would I feel called to stay here instead yeah. and miss out on what he was actually calling us to do? Yeah, that's brilliant. And we were very comfortably settled. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit like being a ship in a harbour. Mm. Everything was calm and nice. Uh, and a ship in a harbour is safe. Mm. But that isn't what ships were made for. Mm. And we were being called to uh, leave the harbour and go out onto God's ocean. Yes. And, uh, and, and, and follow his leading, really, mm. uh, and serve him as he called us. And being in a country like that, um, f for as long as you did, with, with your family, and I guess my question to you is, what, what effect... <laughs> Uh, have these moments that you've been through, the poverty that you've seen, lived among, the people that you've lived among, made friends with, what effects did they have on, I guess, your view of God and his heart for the lost or for the poor? Well, <clears throat> we were thinking about what is a missionary? What is a missionary, Louise? A missionary is someone who is sent by God to show his love hmm. to other people is our definition of a missionary. I think the word missionary sometimes makes people feel edgy. They don't like that word. Hmm. But in reality, all it is is someone who's called by God to share his love hmm. with other people. Very good. So we had uh, the great privilege, it's a privilege really, to hear God speak to you. Often it's quietly in a gentle kind of voice, just to follow his leading. And he led us overseas. And uh, in all of the time that we were in Nepal, we were able to use the skills that he had given us and equipped us with, hmm. leading us up to the work that he had for us to do. Yeah. He gave us the skills to do the work that he had planned for us to do. Yeah. And then he took us to the place where he wanted us to work, hmm. to serve him. And uh, it was a country which is very poor, uh, one of the world's poorest countries. So there was plenty of opportunity to uh, just show God's love and his heart of compassion for the people there yeah. by serving them 
me particularly in hospitals, but Louise in other ways while we were in Nepal. Mm. And, uh, and to share his love with them and his heart of compassion for them. Yeah. And that changed us as well. And God was faithful throughout all of that. Hmm. He, uh, he kept us safe. Yeah. He protected us. We survived. We came back. <laughs> Here we still are as yeah. a witness to that. And uh, our children grew up uh, their, their early years. Mm. And uh, they now have a very wide worldview, a view of the world that they wouldn't have had if they hadn't had that experience in yeah. Nepal. So for us as a family, it's, it's enriched you. Fa- it's enriched us tremendously mm. as a family. Yeah. And we still have friends in Nepal that we still <clears throat> correspond with. Yeah. One of my favorite stories of, of you two is um, we, we get a lot of um, trainees, uh, army trainees, is that right, uh, in Darlington who are Nepalese and uh, they're baffled when you walk up to them and we sometimes see them out on the high street I've seen them myself over the years um, out you know just exploring Darlington and you walk up and speak to them in their native language and they almost fall over (laughs) Uh, and that's one of my favorite stories but it's it's such a special thing isn't it I, I guess you know it's almost like that wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger sort of moments. But really, as a, as a church, our heart is we want to see people released into mission. And like you said, mission can be tied up with these thoughts and, you know, preconceptions can be wrapped up in a word. But being a missionary is just being called by God to go and love people, perhaps outside of the walls of Jerusalem, as we'd say. Mm-hmm. Um. And I guess what I would ask you is, is if, as you're speaking to the church now, what would you love to tell them? What would you, you know, what, what would you say you've learned over the years? But also, what would you speak to the people who are maybe listening and thinking, actually, you know, maybe God's calling me uh, to go outside the walls of Jerusalem. Maybe I'm called, you know, to be a missionary down south in the UK. Maybe I'm called to be a missionary and to go and spread the gospel message and love people you know, in Bulgaria or, you know, New Zealand or wherever it might be, it may be a third world country, but actually mission can be the next town along. Um, so what would you like to say, what do you think you would like to say to those people who are thinking about that? Well, I, I think what I would say is that God has a plan and a purpose hmm. for your life. Hmm. And uh, that may involve mission overseas or mission closer to home. Mm. But he does have a plan and a purpose. And if you listen carefully to him Mm. and follow his leading and that quiet voice that says, this is what I want you to do, Mm. uh, it may be difficult to see into the future and to know how that plan is going to unfold. But when you get to be old and crinkly like we are, (laughs) and you look back... Not Louise, Ken. Not Louise, just me. (laughs) When you look back, you can see how God's plan has unfolded. Mm. And it really enriches your life 
Yeah. God is no man's debtor, hmm. and Amen. your life will be much fuller and much richer if you listen to him, follow his leading. And if he leads you into mission, I can guarantee that it will be a, an exciting and a rich and full experience. Yeah. We've always said that we think our lives have been much more full and richer and definitely more exciting than they would have been had we not been following God's plan. Yes. I think that's important. But also, if you look at Jesus' life, his main purpose was to share his love and God's love with everyone he met. Yeah. He had compassion on everyone. He reached out to everyone. And he had so much love that he left heaven to come down to earth mm. and share his love and his message. All we did was leave a house and a lawnmower, <laughs> which is so small compared to what he did. Yeah. But Ken and I were also saying to each other that we had the opportunity and the privilege to work abroad. Yeah. But in order to be a missionary, someone sent by God, it doesn't have to involve being abroad. That's right. But you can have the, the interest, the compassion the drive to know about what's happening. Mm. And there's many things you can do without going very far. Mm. You can pray. You can buy clothes for children in an orphanage in Cambodia, yeah. as we do. We can buy goats for someone who sees a need in his community in Nepal, which the church does. Mm. We can also make dinner for a neighbor who's struggling. Yes. There's so many ways that we can show God's love, yeah, and at the same time, hopefully introducing them to the fact that it is God's love yeah. we're wanting to share, to bring them into the same relationship with him that we enjoy. That's brilliant. And I think that's it. Everybody's called to mission. It just might be that your mission field is your street. Mm. Um, it's Honestly, it's a real blessing to hear some of the stories of how God's pulled you across the world and actually pulled you across the world to be together, first of all, <laughs> um, but then pulled you across the world in order to share his love. I want to finish by just reading a scripture here um, that really focuses our hearts as disciples, and then we're going to finish in prayer. But Matthew twenty-five thirty-five to 40 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, only clothes and clothe you? When did we see you in sick or in prison and, and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you do, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And that's a heart, really, that we want to grasp as a church and the people around us. We know that there is, as, as a Western country living in the UK, we are so abundantly blessed in terms of um, possessions and materially. Uh, we are so blessed in terms of what we have and the resources that we have. But there are people in the world who are desperate, um, who don't have a shelter to sleep under, who don't have 
shoes <laughs> who don't have access to clean water, to food. Um, there are people in war-torn countries who are exiles, um, not through choice, and actually who are desperate. And I think that speaks into the heart that we want to carry as a church, that our job is to, to care for them, to love them, because actually, in that sense, we're, we're caring for Jesus. We're loving him. Um, so I'm going to finish in prayer, and hopefully um, God is going to challenge us through the power of his spirit for, to whoever's listening in what we've talked about today. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you, as Louise has pointed out, were the ultimate missionary. You left your comfort, <laughs> uh, Lord, your place in heaven and came to be among us, to walk among us. And Lord, you, you were the ultimate servant in that. You came not to be served, but to serve. And Jesus, you call us as your disciples to do the same. Lord, uh, forgive us of where we fall into a false sense of security that we build around ourselves with possessions, with home comforts, where we become inward thinking. And Lord, would you just open up our hearts for what breaks your heart? Um, Lord, there are people out there who are in desperate need, who are in desperate circumstances and Lord, you are calling us to reach out, to love, to care. And Lord, we thank you for testimonies that build us up of how you provide for every need that we have along the way. But Lord, ultimately, you're calling us to love you and to love others. And sometimes if that's very practical, and sometimes that's just actually an arm around the shoulder and a, and a conversation. Um, but Lord, the main thing we can do for people is to share with them the love of Jesus uh, and the gospel story. Lord, for those who are listening and perhaps feel like you're just nudging them to step out, to sell their lawnmower, to sell their house and to do something radical. Lord, I pray that you would just come in power and move in their lives, that they would have prophetic words, that they would feel the love of their church around them to go and reach out for the gospel's sake. Um, but Lord, for those who you know, are called to just be missionaries in their own homes, in their own streets, in their own town, Lord, would we be active and proactive in what you're calling us to do? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Ken and Louise, thank you so much. And I'm going to encourage people, whoever listens to this, just to come and let you know they've listened and actually just to maybe come and hear some more stories because, to be honest, you have stories that, make, that have made me cry in the past. So, um, so ask them about Cambodia, ask them about Nepal, ask them about a whole bunch of different things that they're still involved in. Um, but bless you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Mike.